Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the words of basketball superstar Aaron Henry, I think we ain't done yet. <laughs> Michigan State finally puts a game together and takes down number five Illinois at the Breslin Center on Tuesday night. A massive win for a team just trying to get back in the bubble conversation as we speed toward March. We will break down a war of a game between the Spartans and Illini, as well as what it did for the Spartans tournament chances on episode 24 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel here with you on Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Uh, Matt is joining us on his day off. That is some incredible dedication, people. Uh, how's it going, sir? Oh, it's going just fine, and there are no real days off in these, in these jobs, so... Um. <laughs> It's no big deal just um, to yammer on for 20 minutes or so. It's fine with me. Hashtag relentless. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Kyle, how's it going? Are you recovered from the game last night? Did, did you use all of your fouls trying to guard Kofi Coburn? Uh, yeah, I think I picked up one on the, um, um, on the handicap platform up there. Um, but, yeah, it was um, – I, I, you know, I, I felt – you could it, one of those games where you could, like, feel the physicality from far away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it just, the game hold just emanated that and we'll, and we'll get into it. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun last night. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun game. And yeah, you could sense that physicality just on TV, but uh, yeah, we'll get into the, the Michigan state, Illinois game. That's going to make up the bulk of today's podcast. Um, if you could please like rate and review the podcast, follow our work on MLive.com slash Spartans uh and uh spread the word if you enjoy listening to us also send your questions to us on twitter or email or through matt's uh uh subscription service we would uh, love to answer them i don't know if we're gonna have time on today's show but on a future episode we'll certainly have time to answer more questions um so yeah like i said we'll get into illinois michigan state in a second but just briefly i wanted to touch on some football news that we got this week and since we have matt here uh dedicating his time uh to the listeners uh i would like to get his thoughts on it but uh ben van summeren uh linebacker transfers from michigan to michigan state uh so that's noteworthy but uh fill us in here what kind of player is michigan state getting here um yeah it is a really interesting addition um you know, he was a, you know, a three-star prospect in the 18 class, if I remember right. Um, and he was actually, at one point, he was committed to, to play at Iowa as a linebacker. And then Michigan came in late in his recruitment and um, offered him. I think he took a visit. They offered him a visit, and so and then he flipped. And so he, he joined Michigan as a, as a fullback and, and played at that spot for the first two years. Um, 
some special teams work as well, but, you know, fairly limited. I'm, you know, I think he had like 20 yards rushing or whatever it was, 20 yards and a touchdown on nine carries in over two seasons. Um, and, but he, you know, he had said that he thought he played, didn't really play a true fullback. He played more of an H back and some tight end stuff. And then uh, this past season, uh, the 2020 season, he moved to, uh, to linebacker and, you know, it was obviously <laughs> a weird season for Michigan. Um, you know, they only got six games in and had a poor year. Uh, but he had seven tackles and six games, started two at the outside linebacker spot. And, um, you know, with, with the coaching changes at Michigan on Harbaugh's staff, you know, they got a new defensive coordinator. He said that, you know, it took about a week uh, of listening to the new staff and seeing their system where they were going, that his, you know, his spot was basically not going to be the same, that they were planning only to use him as a, as a rusher on uh, specific downs. And he thinks he's an every down linebacker. And uh, Michigan State is, is obviously very thin on uh, experienced linebackers coming back. They reached out the, the same day he entered the portal. And, you know, a little more than a week later, he's uh, committed to Michigan State. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's notable. And you, you obviously have the rivalry aspect of it. And, you know, he even grew up a Michigan fan. But, you know, he, don't think, he doesn't think it's a huge deal, um, you know, switching sides, I guess you'd say. And then, you know, told me uh, – <laughs> He understands how, how people view it, and he's got no problem being the villain. So, um, yeah, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, Michigan State, you know, he, he, part of the, the reason in, in picking Michigan State over the other schools that he had opportunities with was, uh, you know, the chance for immediate playing time, and, and that's certainly an option, uh, you know, for Michigan State, which, which needs guys back there with experience. Well, you can't blame the guy for wanting to, you know, move up to the varsity from the JV team. You know, it makes total sense to me. Uh, but, you know, how often, I mean, did you look into this at all? I mean, how often do players transfer from Michigan to Michigan State or vice versa? It can't be very common. You know, it ha- well, it actually happened last year. Um, uh, Edward Warner was a linebacker at Michigan State, and he transferred last January to Michigan. His dad, um, Ed, was was the offensive line coach there for three seasons, although he's not there anymore. He's at uh, Florida Atlantic. Um, Jim Harbaugh did not retain him. But, you know, I remember last year when Warner did it, looking into it, and it wasn't that it had never happened going one side to the other, but it wasn't like a very common occurrence. So um, that said, you know, it, it's kind of – I don't think it's really fair to compare – what's happening nowadays with trans in transfers with the past. Cause the, you know, it's just a different world now with the portal and everything and, and transfer markets just completely different than it was um, previously, but you know, it is notable and you know, he's a guy that, you know, could, you know, he could be making plays against uh, against his former teammates this uh, fall. And uh, obviously, in a, uh, as you mentioned, a position of need for Mel Tucker in Michigan State. Uh, definitely need some linebackers that can come in and play. I think we said they only used basically two, two and a half, three like uh, linebackers all of last season. So uh, yeah. obviously uh, a position of need for impact players to come in. But Mel, Mel continues to mine that transfer portal, and he's probably going to continue to do so. Obviously going to be a new look team. And uh, as spring football gets going here soon, uh, we'll have a lot more time to sort of break down on the roster coming into next year but let's uh let's transition to the big news of the day uh big time game last night in East Lansing uh between two teams that were just battling I mean it, this was one of the more physical college basketball games I can remember watching in a long time it was uh old school Big Ten vibes where these two teams were just going at it and even though Michigan State you know hasn't really been in the mix much this year 
you could tell this was a big game for Illinois because they are trying to ascend into that upper tier of teams in the Big Ten. Um, you know, this is a team that hasn't really made the Sweet 16 uh, in uh, like 17 years. And they obviously wanted to prove themselves against a team like Michigan State that has been the standard or at least one of the standards in the Big Ten for a long time. This was chippy from the start, Kyle. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I didn't get a sense that, um, you know, Illinois were still playing for a Big Ten title last night. Um, and uh, I think they had a lot to play for. And I don't think Michigan State, you know, got got some subpar effort from them since they're in the tournament. I mean, I think I think they got a good game from Illinois and, and they just outplayed them. And yeah, super chippy, um, uh, physical on a level we really haven't seen. I got the sense that was kind of the game plan. Um, against Kofi um, was to um, to, um, to bump him a lot, uh, be physical with him. I thought Julius Marble did a good job with that. Um, and some other guys, to the extent they can, I mean, <laughs> you can be as physical if you want, but if you're giving up, you know, 30 pounds on the guy, it's still going to be hard. But I thought they did their, their best. I thought they – they had a good game plan against him. Just they didn't really truly double. I didn't think, but they they dug down with a lot of their guards and just kind of pestered him. You know, like mm-hmm. you get the ball and you have the arms swiping at him. And um, I, I thought that I thought that seemed to bother him enough without having to truly double him and maybe give up some open threes because uh, they're a very good three point shooting team. But Michigan State didn't didn't give that up to them. So um, a good game plan, well executed, um, and. You know, I, I thought last night that the um, the big man by committee worked. You know, there's been so many nights where it's like they've had no big men, um, it seems like, because they've got so many. Last night, I mean, you needed all 20 fouls. You're almost all 20 fouls. That, <laughs> 18 uh, of them. Have. Yeah. Um, um, Sissoko uh, gave up a couple of his early um, and went to the bench. but um, And then got ejected. <laughs> but it's like they were just able to roll fresh bodies against them, and they were all good enough. I mean, nobody looked like a big all-Big Ten player, but they were all good enough. They all kind of brought different things. Um, like I said, I thought um, Julius Marble was really physical. I love that block Bingham had on, on Kofi. He's not a guy that gets blocked a lot, but that was super athletic play. His length kind of did it for him. Uh, you know, Sissoko comes in there and bangs around with him. Uh, Kithier does what he does. You know, he's smart positioning-wise. So um, the, the big man by committee definitely worked for them last night in ways I haven't seen it work a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I think they were. I think the game plan was just to make Kofi uncomfortable, to try mm-hmm. and frustrate him. And by having those revolving door of bigs, which has been a weakness throughout the season, you kind of gave everyone – you gave them a different look, right, every few right. minutes. You had you – had, Sissoko and, and Marble, who would try and body him up with their physicality. You had Kithier, who try and uses his crafty positioning. You'll take Seth Bingham in there, who, who provides, obviously, like a, a length aspect and uh, can be a little bit more challenging for someone like Kofi to guard on the offensive end because he's moving around a lot more. Uh, it, it worked. And, uh, I mean, Kofi still had a good game. I, I mean, I wouldn't say he had a great game, but, you know, uh, 20, 13 points, six rebounds. I mean, you can't really ask for, for much more. Uh, no, no. And, and I thought a key stretch, too, was in the first half, he was doing pretty well, and he picked up two fouls, bang, bang, back-to-back possessions. First, first one, he gave Kithier, I think it looked like an elbow to the jaw, which – um, guarding him, which, you know what, if you're going to give that much size to a guy, sometimes I think the best thing you can do is put your jaw in the way of his elbow and try to get that uh, off. He punched Sissoko right in the head. 
trying to get possessed. I was I've spent the whole morning. I thought it, I thought it, I thought it was Kithier. Okay, maybe you he did it multiple it. times. All I've heard is I've all I've had is <laughs> Illinois fans in my mentions talking about the officiating and Oko's a crazy man. Pat Forty's on Twitter calling Michigan State a dirty team and they need to be better than that. Watch the video. All I've seen all morning on Twitter is, you know, the Michigan State fans are obviously taking offense to this, and they're pulling every little clip of Kofi, you know, giving a forearm shiver to the back of a big man's head. You know what? Listen, both it was a physical game early on. Yeah. This was an absolute war. I think the officials let it get out of hand pretty early. They, they probably they really, did. And but, but the, it was I, I both it, ways is my point. It, it was both ways, yeah, and I'm not disputing that, but I just thought there were two pretty good plays for Michigan State big men in the first half. Kithier, however you want to term it, he, he took an offensive foul, which was big. And then right on the other end, Bingham had this great pump fake where he knew Kofi was coming in hard on him, pump faked him, got him on his back, and got him out of the game from seven minutes mm-hmm. left. I think that's really when they started to kind of put something together um, and, and take it away. So, um, yeah, I mean, w- we can talk more about who I think were the most key guys, you know, your Langfords and your your Rockets and your Aaron Henrys. But I, I think the big men were quietly good last night in a very tough matchup. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about the rest of it. I mean, Josh Langford, holy crap. He was 16, the story last night. 16 rebounds and 13 points. And I think the, the live stats had it wrong last night. I, I had, I, they had him for like 14 and 15 at the end of the game when I saw. ESPN says 16 and 13. Now, either way, a, a, a flashback a, performance. A, a lot, a lot, and a lot. Yeah, yeah. A, a flashback <laughs> performance for Josh Langford, who played 36 minutes in a physical game. And, and then in general, I mean, Michigan State – this trimming of the rotation, uh, this smaller lineup, this three-wing lineup where you have four guys played at least 32 minutes, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, Rocky Watch, Josh Langford, all with at least 31 minutes. Uh, no one else played in as many as 14 was the next highest that Joey Hauser, who had the quietest 13 points I think I can remember in a long time. Mm-hmm. But this trimming of the rotation, this smaller lineup, uh, it seems to be working. It, it does, and um... – I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking what took so long with it. Um, and, and I do think you could make the case that this should have been done earlier. I, I can tell you Thomas' response to that has been that, um, first of all, Gabe Brown hasn't been what they wanted him to be until really the last couple of games. He, he wasn't also had COVID. He was right. also and he, so, so he had COVID. So Langford and Gabe Brown both get COVID. They come back, but you, you see these guys come back from COVID. They're not the same for several games um, until they get back. So I don't think those two were ready for this role. Um, I, I think they really were trying to get Joey Hauser going and they thought that it was going to turn around for him. And I don't think they were hesitant to kind of just cut him out of the rotation until the last couple games. And he's not cut out of the rotation, but to move him down in the rotation. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of getting um, those guys back and playing well as far as the perimeter guys um, and finally deciding, okay, um, we've seen enough of everybody. We're going with them, and and, and they picked the right combination because uh, that small. I I really like that small. We haven't talked since Saturday when they they debuted it, um, but you know the spacing that you got on that, the length and the perimeter. It, it's a good defensive lineup. It runs really well. Um, I I don't know if they're going to be able to utilize it as well against some of the other teams down the stretch, your Ohio State and your Michigans, just because of the opposing personnel, but. Um, for Indiana and Illinois, um, it really worked well. And, and it's because Langford's be- taken on the role that he, he's taken on. And, and Rocker Watts is playing 30-plus minutes. And mm-hmm. he scored double-ditch last night. But to me, the bigger thing is he's just not turning it over. Yeah. And he's looking more comfortable and he's making smart plays. And he's, he's a serviceable point guard. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I got the sense that he was really trying to be Cassius Winston 
for a while. And he said that in the offseason. He studied Cassius. He wanted to step in. Um, that's a really – that's a big load to put on your shoulders. Um, and nobody – because nobody's going to be Cassius Winston. <laughs> I get the sense now that he, he he's being a serviceable point guard. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not making mistakes and he's making smart plays and he's looking comfortable. And, and that's all they needed out of that because they, they got – they certainly have other guys that can, that can do the scoring too. So what yeah. does this mean when Foster Lawyer is reemerges? Oh my God! Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you asked that, Matt, because uh, that's uh, going to be an interesting conversation that we're going to have to have when it happens. Kyle, I mean, he was you, the starting point guard. Right? You know, we know he, he who, won't be it again. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect big minutes from Foster Lawyer moving forward. Kyle, you were in the building last night, and I kept seeing on Twitter the beat reporters talking about uh, Foster Lawyer on the sidelines being, you know, still holding up that captain role and sort of being a a sort of graduate, a surrogate graduate assistant on the bench, kind of helping uh, lead some of the younger guys. It is going to be an interesting conversation when Foster Lawyer is healthy enough to play. I I kind of would prefer him just stay on the sideline and be a surrogate coach. But uh, I mean, did did you notice anything from him on the sideline or anything? Yeah. I mean, he's been sitting, I don't know if it's been on the broadcast, but he's been sitting like right next to Israel, like in the chair right next to him and talking, you know, Tom said that he, you know, he'll call out what, what other teams are running. He knows, he knows the other personnel so well. And uh, like one thing I noticed going into the second half, um, they break the huddle starters are walking on the court and lawyers grabbing rocket Watts, giving him last minute coaching um, and, and telling him what, you know, probably telling him what to expect and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I feel like every player that sits out, you kind of get that, Oh, he's a coach on the bench angle going, but it, it does seem legitimate with this. And um, I, 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 I know I wouldn't be overly concerned about him being disruptive, you know, getting back into the rotation because it, you can't cut out of Rocket Watts' minutes for him for anybody right now. The way he's playing, I don't think. Uh, maybe a few. Just I think he was a little gassed last night. But um, I, I understand why Michigan State fans would fear this. But I don't think you need you need to worry about like Rocket, like him taking minutes from Rocket. If, if anything, it's like he split he split what Hogarth's getting a little bit more. Um, mm. And and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I don't think it's going to be totally disruptive when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, I think Tom has figured out that he just he needs to play basically those four guys and then everyone, because they, he, those four guys give him the best no, chance and, and, to win and, and, on and offense and defense. Right. And feelings are over. I mean, Malik Hall, sorry, you know, the, it, it's not, it's not fitting right now. You know, it's something against him as a player. He's just five moment, minutes last night, five minutes last night, three minutes, I think at, um, at Indiana, but I mean, that's where they're going to be. They're going to do what they need to do. Um, audition, you know, maybe auditions are starting, but as far as like getting to see everybody, I mean, that that's over. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. So next question, did you laugh when Georgie Bashanis Vili stuffed himself? On the I didn't get a good look I, at it. I didn't get a good look at it live. Um, it was, um, but I saw everybody on Twitter freaking out about it. It looked like a fun moment. I was dying. I was dead. Oh, uh, it was, they had a couple, they missed a lot of bunnies last night. I mean, but part of that was just Michigan state being making them uncomfortable right just being mm-hmm. in the area being effective being aggressive on the rebounds I mean that was the biggest thing I noticed last night just Michigan State how long have we been saying all year well here broadcasters they look soft they don't look like a traditional Michigan State team they're not attacking the rebounds they are going up with weak layups instead of throwing down a dunk mm-hmm. last night Michigan State played angry 
They played, yeah. they rose to the challenge. You, even the freshman, Mati Sissoko, I mean, he got ejected for crying out loud. Illinois fans <laughs> want him in jail. He, he, him and A.J. Hogard both got into it physically last night with my older I veteran that, yeah. players. And neither of them were backing down. And I just love to see that toughness from you. We saw Bingham stepping up. We saw his putback dunk. I mean, just guys who we've questioned uh, their toughness at times throughout the year. Last night, they played with a chip. They played with an edge. They played like Michigan State basketball. They played like Illinois was walking into the Breslin in late February. And, and it was a tournament game. It was, it was good. It was great to see that fire for maybe the first time all year. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that they know that their back's up against the wall and they need to win these games, and, and it's getting a whole new level out of them. You know, we, we talked to Aaron Henry last night, and he gets on the human. He, he seems kind of annoyed, and he goes, yeah, I'm frustrated. He goes, he said, we could have been playing like this all year. Goes, I, I don't know what took us so long, but, um, but, I, I, but, but um, I think it's better, you know, it's better than do, they're doing it now than not doing it at all. But they, something has definitely gotten into these guys. Um, Israel gives a lot of credit to Josh Langford for it. Um, I, think he, I think he's been more vocal lately. Uh, he's out there on the court more. Um, I, I think he's been coaching more. And, and just having a senior out there be calming for them, I think he's been huge. I, I, we got to talk about Josh for a second because mm. I, if you would have told me before the season, early in the season – that he was going to play 30-plus minutes, you know, down the stretch in a, in a huge top-five game and get 16 rebounds. Like, I would have said absolutely, you know, zero chance of that happening. Because everything we knew was that he would be, um, you know, he's coming back off the multiple surgeries. They, they had him slotted for 15 minutes a game. And I thought he was going to come off the bench. I thought he was going to shoot more just because of the mobility issues and what that kid has done physically. And then you add that he got COVID in the middle of the year. Um, uh, what that kid has done physically to me is nothing short of remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he's downplaying it and, and, and being a, being a gentleman about it because that's what he is. But um, I, I, that was to me the biggest story of last night is that they, they oh, got yeah. like freshman year, Joshua Langford back. And I didn't think they would get that at all. If they can keep getting him a senior who's really talented, who does not want to go out by breaking the streak. Um, that's probably going to win them at least a couple more games. That's what you get when you bring a five-time Georgia player of the year in. Uh, Alabama. Or Alabama, yes. Sorry, sorry. I had the – I had Mel Tucker, Georgia interviews on the mind there for a second. Uh, but uh, yeah, fantastic from Josh Langford, man. Like he was hitting those mid range jumpers like me. Mm-hmm. I've been very critical of the mid range shots. that Michigan state's been taking uh, rocket and Josh both were knocking them down at a big time clip last night. Um, mm-hmm. And if they can knock them down consistently, then it might be the best shot in basketball. But <laughs> It's weird to say in a modern game when, you know, it's more about dunks and three pointers, but um, you know, Michigan State's not a great shooting team as a whole, and if you can get to the basket and get some easier close-range shots like they did last night, um, it was working. I don't, I don't know if it can be a method for success year-round when you're not dealing with a true massive Godzilla-like human like Kofi Coburn. Like Ohio right. State, for example, has EJ Liddell, who's a much different type of player. He'll step out. He'll play in, in space. He's not a back tradi- – I mean, he can post up, but he's not like a traditional back-to-the-big guy. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if Michigan State can work the same sort of game plans against Ohio State uh, tomorrow night. But, yes, I'm totally down for a Josh Langford uh, appreciation hour uh, because mm-hmm. it's just great, one, to see this guy back on the court. We saw the big smile when he hit that sort of turnaround yes. mid range mm-hmm. jumper. You know, anyone who's followed this program to see what the kid's been through, by all accounts, is a great kid. It's, it's just great mm-hmm. to see him on the court again yeah. and succeeding. 
I'm glad you brought up the lineup, though, because that's kind of my just if I can stop this from being a love fest just for a second. This, this is kind of my one kind of concern going forward. Is the small lineup's been great, but but they got two teams that you can run that lineup out against in a row. And Indiana, who happened to go small at their four position, which I think played in the Michigan State hands well, and then Illinois, which basically plays four guards and Kofi. Um, but you look now at, at their big games left. Um, uh, Ohio State's going to be bigger there. Um, you know, they've got Liddell, who you mentioned, and then, you know, they're going to run Kyle Young and Seth Towns there, who are both going to have 20 pounds on Michigan State's uh, perimeter guys. So that's going to be harder to do. Um, and then you look at Michigan, which you got to look down the road a little bit. And who, who of those four guys we're talking about is going to be able to slow down Franz Wagner? I, I, I would be a little worried about. So that, that's kind of my biggest question going forward is you found something that's good, but, but can you use it against these bigger teams? Because you, mm-hmm. Maybe you can force them to go small against you, and maybe you got a, a, an advantage in quickness, but um, I, I'm worried about them guarding bigger players, I guess. And I don't know how you feel about that. You know the person out well, too. No, yeah. I mean, if, it's obviously a concern. I mean, I think they're against like Hunter Dickinson, for example. I think they're going to have right. to use a similar approach, you know, just by committee, throw different looks at them, have the guards slink down and just sort of make his space feel uncomfortable. I would expect to see a similar thing. Of course, Michigan can shoot it really well too so uh you know I, I don't know at this point i'm trying to adopt the, the same thing that is always which is it's cliche as hell but one game at a time because i mean if you're michigan state that's what it takes right now i mean you're trying to play your way back into the tournament and we can kind of look at that right now i mean uh, i looked or i uh, just checked 64th in ken palm 75 in the net still behind teams like winthrop north texas Furman. The net yeah, also has Colgate and Loyola as like a top 15 teams. So I, I don't really know what's going on with the net. Someone, exp- I need, I need like, like Pauga to explain, you know, or someone to explain wh- what's going on with this. Cause the net is strange to me. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't jump higher. Yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend to be able to explain the net um, because it, yeah, I agree. It's super wonky, but I, what do you think they I, – I, I, It's crazy. Like, I, I think they're in, like, somewhat decent position here, which I would have liked – I would have kicked my own ass for seeing a couple a week ago. Last pod, more. we were acting like the tournament couldn't yeah. happen, and now they're right. one win later, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, we might have been a little – I know. I, I'm trying to not, like, <laughs> swing wildly here, but, like, um, I, I, I think how good and deep the Big Ten is is going – is helping out Michigan State so well right now because I don't think it's out of the question – that you could be like a 15-win team and get in, or like maybe even a 14-win team. Minnesota, Indiana, and Maryland are in right now with similar records. Minnesota is dropping like a rock, but yeah, um, yeah, they. Um, but like eight and twelve, nine and eleven in the Big Ten, like you're you're in the picture there. And if you can get to the Big Ten tournament and win one, like uh, 14 and 12, 15 and 11, like those are going to be on the bubble this year, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy. I mean, one of those is two games over 500. But, um, you know, speaking of KP, he has that analytics wise, the Big Ten is the best conference in college basketball since 2004 ACC. Like it is like historically good, like decade, like in several decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just and, and the, schedule, the strength of schedule that you're going to have. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you look at six games left. Um, 
I, I think it's going to be really important to win the two non-top five games, um, your Maryland and your Indiana. I think those are really important to not drop those. I mean, right, they're not like chewing can, by any means. Then you can bump, uh, you know, then, you know, you look at the head-to-head. Those teams right. are also on the bubble. You look at the mm-hmm. head-to-head, Michigan State's ahead of them. Yeah, and, and you just – you need more wins for just for your win column to, to get on the bubble. So I think, I think those are crucial. And if, if you get those, then, um, then I think you're looking at – if you could do those and knock off either Ohio state or one of the Michigan games, then I think you're sitting pretty good heading mm-hmm. into big 10 tournament week. And that's a big ask because uh, winning both those games, I know they just beat Indiana. I know Maryland hasn't been great lately, but that's still a pretty big ask. Um, but it's not out of the question. You win both of those and, and you, you get another top five win. And even if you don't, uh, you know, you go to the big 10 tournament and get a win. I mean, you're only talking about winning about half your games basically from here on out to make it, to make a long story short. Um, yeah. And that, that, that's doable in my mind. The strength of the Big Ten is, is going to be an asset for Michigan State. I mean, especially when you look around the country, the ACC is, is more down this year. Uh, the mm-hmm. Pac-12 is terrible. Uh, the like, fringe leagues like the A-10 are just beating each other up. Same thing with the Mountain West. The, Amer- the American is not good outside of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the Big East is a little bit down this year. So, um, you know, the, the bids could be there if Michigan State takes care of business. And, I mean, honestly, it's all in front of them. I mean, it's, they, they can control their own destiny uh, at this point, which is, um, I guess, the, the strength of schedule and the strength of the conference might end up being a big asset for Michigan State. I mean, they're not quite in yet. I saw Lenardi had them two away from the next four out bubble. Yeah, so yeah that, they're like 10-8. I, there's, there's a, there's get them cycle. at 78. Yeah, the, the, there's a site called Team Rankings that I subscribe to. They had them at like 25% making the tournament, which um, take, take that for what you will. But like that's up from 9% the day before as far as their numbers go. So, I mean, you needed like you looked at all those top five games. To me, like you needed at least one for sure. Two, you're sitting pretty good. And they got one in the first one, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you, you can look at, you know, you win those two lower ranked games and um, you know, you, you play Michigan twice in four games. Like, I think you got a decent chance of trying to pick one of those off. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm um, that last week of the season. I, I'm really looking forward to it because Michigan, I mean, what have, they got a couple games. Maybe they might even have it sewn up by then, but, but them winning a big 10 title, Michigan state trying to get into the tournament. It, it's going to be a fun last week of the season. Oh yeah. Best time of the year, Kyle. We got conference oh, yeah. tournaments starting on Saturday, the big South first round on Saturday. Already, already happening. Conference tournaments are rolling in. This is the best time of the year. This is a, a weird, different position for Michigan State fans to be in, where we're, we're sort of tracking every game with the season on the line. It almost feels like the tournament has already started instead of being comfortably in the tournament. Um, but it, it is, uh, I wouldn't call this fun, but it's uh, different. You know, it's sort of a different ride to go on. And it's sort of interesting to see Izzo navigating uh, a position that he hasn't really been in very much, which is also kind of interesting to see uh, how he's dealt with this season. I mean, yeah, he, uh, he, he said last week, as we talked about, he's been so mellow about everything um, and hasn't really pushed guys. Um, but I think, I mean, he claims now, and maybe this is just hindsight talking, he says that he's been seeing them play better since that game at Iowa, um, uh, where, the, where they came down to that last possession. They went two after that. Uh, the, the home loss to Iowa is the outlier there. Um, you know, that was just a bad day for them. But overall, he said they've been playing better. You know, that, that Purdue game they lost on the road. They were in that game for a while. Um, they beat Nebraska. They beat Penn State. So he, he felt like they got better, and they were kind of on the cusp. 
And last night, I think, was kind of the breakthrough. Indiana's second half going into last night has kind of been the breakthrough of them kind of putting it together and getting a little bit better. And, you know, I think Gabe Brown and Josh Langford kind of getting really healthy and going helped them a lot. They find the rotation. So um, I, I think they're feeling really, really good. I think they have a lot of confidence. I do wonder about how condensed it is, though. Um, six quick and 13. Quick turnaround, too. Quick turnaround, six and 13. Uh, you know, you've been calling for them to, um, or we've all been calling for them to shorten the rotation, and that's been key. But you're going to need some other dudes in there, too, if you're playing that many. Um, I mean, Aaron Henry's playing 40 minutes. So many of you guys are playing 35. Doing that pretty much every other day for two weeks. It's going to wear down those guys. So, but what was Henry's uh, quote? He had Henry's, that fantastic quote. Yeah, he He's said, not worried. Uh, I don't get tired. I won't get tired. I don't have time to get tired. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he actually it. looked the best. I, I thought I saw Langford look a little gassed sometimes. He had that one, um, he had that one fast break um, uh, layup where he kind, of, he kind of went in soft with it and didn't make it, and they took him out right after that. I thought he looked tired. But Henry was playing like 30-plus minutes as a freshman, wasn't he? He, he? When he started on that Final Four team, they had a really short bench down the stretch that he, year. He's always been able to play pretty, pretty big minutes. I'm actually not too concerned about him. I'm a little more concerned about Langford because of what we said. I mean, just where he is physically, you know, old man Langford at age 24, how, mm-hmm. how is he going to hold up through all this? Um, and, then, and then Rocket, you know, he, he's been doing pretty well, but, you know, playing 30-plus minutes at point guard every night is, gonna, is new for him. So, and Gabe um, Brown's I, never sniffed this many minutes. I mean, 30, no, 32 Brown, minutes last night? <laughs> right. Um, and, and you hope he doesn't turn into disappearing Gabe Brown again, which is, you know, some of those, you know, 20, 20 minutes, one rebound type of game. He's a but, huge difference maker for this team he's one of those guys that can get his own shot create his own offense he's probably mm. one of their most consistent three-point shooters he's obviously athletic as hell um when he's engaged and active running on the wings and uh making shots he's one of their most diverse and effective offensive players honestly and, and i would argue that he can actually do some things for you without even doing anything on a stat sheet to make sense because I think just him as a shooting threat is going to stretch the floor and create better spacing. Mm. And he's got good length on defense too. Um, I don't think he's their best defender by any means, but I think he's got good length and can make things more difficult for people too. So um, he's a guy that they've needed, honestly. And you almost forgot about him halfway through the year. And then he comes back and he's playing well. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we expected out of (laughs) Gabe Brown. And that's, that's how good they can be if Gabe Brown's playing well. Last thing I wanted to touch on the quick turnaround, obviously this game or what it was the Illinois game that got added to the schedule right on, on Tuesday. And then they, yeah, had, yeah, they already had this game against Ohio state scheduled for Thursday. So a rare uh, Tuesday, Thursday turnaround. You never see that in the big 10 really. Um, do you think the quick turnaround is helpful or is going to hurt them after a physical game like this? Or does it not matter? Because you could look at it like, Oh, they're just going to keep rolling right into Thursday. I, comp- I think from a mental standpoint, it's good because like, like you're playing well, you want to play again as soon as you can. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you want to keep it going. Uh, but like I said, I do worry about them shortening a rotation, playing that many and playing the brand of basketball they're playing. You know, those do, that was a boxing match last <laughs> night. You know, that was a wrestling match. So that, that's going to wear you down a lot more than just, you know, um, than some different brands of basketball. So I, I guess I'm a little more concerned about the physical aspect um, as, as compared to the, um, to the mental one. But, um, you know, it's the end of the year. These guys know what's on the line. I think they can put, they can put together some good performances. Like I remember that they, kept, they come off of COVID 
Um, they played, I think, three and six it was after that, all of them on the road. That was a wicked stretch, too. But the best game they played was the very last one at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, who it's, knows? It's, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were down, but, but they might not do. It's also worth noting Gabe Brown did not play in the first game against Ohio State, which was the second game off their COVID pause. Right. Um, so, and Joshua Langford was shooting like 25% from the field at that point. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Uh, I believe it's on ESPN. Got to stay up late for that one, Kyle. Uh, I hope you, you – know, We have had – we or... have been blessed with early tips this year. Um, <laughs> and so we'll probably do for this, so I won't complain too much. Matt, did you have any more thoughts on the, on the hoops? Well, you know, I want to go back to the Aaron Henry quote. I think I, I remember seeing Kyle tweet it last night, and I was going to respond with a gif from, uh, from Predator where uh, Jesse Ventura does the, gives the I don't got time to bleed, but – I don't know that Kyle is a big Predator fan. I'm sure he's not as big a Predator fan as I am. Uh, uh, at, least so I one person, at least one person did put that in my mention. Okay, well, I'm glad somebody, And I did not know what it was. So <laughs> I'm that. glad somebody took care of that for me. And if you ever need any, any insight into Predator, I've probably watched it 30 times. And I also watched the uh, behind-the-scenes making of the movie. Uh, so wow. Yeah, so – Matt is consistently disappointed in me because I, I'm not really into movies very much. I'm disappointed too. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to be too because he, <laughs> he'll, he'll always make these, I assume, very good movie references in person to me. And he gets these blank stares back from me. <laughs> oh, come on. That was a really good reference and you didn't get it at all. <laughs> consistently disappointing Matt in that regard. Uh, Probably okay. you too, Brandon. But you yeah. two should talk and you'll get all each other's movie references. Love yeah, the movie references. As, <laughs> as far as a real uh, takeaway is, I think it's funny now. I mean, uh, you go back a couple seasons. Remember that game uh, afterwards? Uh, John Beeline and Tom Izzo are both saying, "Hey, you know this. This is the way it should be done." Michigan, Michigan State, the last game of the regular season every year, make this like Duke, Carolina. So they they're going to play twice in a row to end the season. So I think <laughs> that's a fitting way to for this weird year to uh, work out or weird season to work out. Yeah, you want to have, like, uh, not to mix sports, but in the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes and St. Louis Blues played each other seven times in a row because of COVID issues, because of COVID's getting canceled. So it's just the oddity. And Marquette's playing North Carolina tonight on February 24th. Like, it's like, this is, if it's 2021, 20 and 2021, it's just the year of oddities. I mean, we, we, I'm not ruling anything out this year. We have seen so many bizarre things. I mean, the Maui Invitational being played in Asheville, North Carolina. Like, what a bizarre season. Just absolutely bizarre. And it could become even more topsy-turvy, especially for us Michigan State fans, because it's going to be interesting to watch this down the stretch as the Spartans try and keep that 22-year tournament streak alive. It's, uh, it seemed dead in the water uh, a couple day, a couple weeks ago, but uh, two straight wins have the Spartans creeping back toward the bubble. And they host Ohio State, another top five team uh, on Thursday night. So we'll be there watching that as well. Kyle will be there covering. Uh, anything else, guys? No, I think, I, I think that's it. Uh, seeing a lot of sunshine and warm weather out my window. So I think that's, that that's, means it's just about the best time of the year, right? Yes, yes. Spring training is starting. The tournament's on the horizon. Uh, signs of spring, Kyle. Signs of spring. Yes. And we enjoy that very much. It's been a cold winter here in Michigan. Also appreciated how you threw a little uh, low-key swear word in your story uh, this morning. Uh, I don't, I don't, so, uh, yeah, I was down I, with that. I, I, Aaron Henry did it first. That's my excuse. Okay. Yeah, it was a quote. It was a quote. Yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron Henry, we love that guy. He is, he is the fearless leader of this team. Josh Langford turning back the clock. 
We'll see if the Spartans can keep it rolling tomorrow night at the Breslin Center. Going to be interesting either way, and we'll be here to talk about it. Again, please like, rate, and review the podcast if you can. Check out our coverage on MLive.com slash Spartans and hit us up on Twitter uh, if you have any questions. And uh, Kyle, check out my Twitter so you can see Kofi Coburn punch people in the face. Uh, so it's not all on Maddie. But, I will uh, do that right now. All right, sounds good. But uh, for everyone else out there, appreciate you for listening. And until next time, go Green.